It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. On this episode, we are going to talk about last weekend's race at Richmond and look forward to this weekend's road course race at the Wild Watkin Glens Speedway. Josh, how's your day going? Zach, doing well. Doing well. Glad to see you here tonight and uh, ready to talk about some some NASCAR and getting close to the, the playoffs. So it's always an exciting time. So uh, before we get into the race recap, I do want to thank everybody uh, for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you guys that tuning in each week. And if you are listening and, and liking what you hear, one thing that we could ask is that you guys leave us a five-star review. It does help grow the brand and, and hopefully grow the league. So if you don't mind throwing a five-star review uh, for us, and then also on November 6th at the West side, Harlan, Iowa, we will be there for our end of the year celebration. So please uh, join us there. November 6th. Uh, we should have our shirt soon. Uh, Norton was supposed to get us. Uh, they were supposed to be here this week. Haven't got them yet, but anxiously waiting for the arrival of the shirts. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to see how these things look in person. The design looks really, really good. Again, yeah, should be good. just another another fun thing to grow the podcast and grow the league. So really excited to uh, see those shirts in person. With that being said, let's uh, let's jump into the free agency news here. There's yeah, only only one week without any news, so that's that's good for us. Exactly. So last week we didn't have any. This week we have two two uh, announcements for you. The first one we've been kind of rumoring this or hearing rumors about this and, and mentioning it couple episodes ago on the podcast but noah gregson has officially signed a multi-year deal with petty gms uh racing to take over for ty dillon again that's not a surprise there's been a lot of talk about that uh noah gregson and ty dillon have a similar sponsorship background with bass pro shops black rifle rifle coffee so that seemed like a pretty natural fit so ty dillon is out noah gregson and is in starting next year. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I just wonder where that leaves Ty Dillon. What's uh, what's his situation going into next year? Well, I do think he has options. I think he could go race trucks if he wanted to. I think there's probably a ride for him in the Xfinity series if he wants to step down uh, and, and basically race in the JV League, if you want to call it that. My gut tells me that... Something is going to happen, and he is going to sign with his grandpa, RCR, and I could see the Dillon brothers racing full-time in the NASCAR series, NASCAR Cup Series once Tyler Reddick leaves and goes to 2311. Now, I think it's it might be a long shot from the standpoint that I'm assuming he's going to need a driver. Uh, like Ty Dillon's going to need a race in NASCAR next year or or be somewhere just to keep – the repetitions up and get to keep keep the practice so that he's just not a fish out of water again starting in 2024 but i think that seems like a logical fit to me and it makes sense that you know they're going to have an open seat it's his grandpa's team he can race with his brother so we'll see if that that's how it plays out what are your thoughts has ty dillon ever won a race 
He he was pretty competitive in the Xfinity series. I can't remember if he actually won an Xfinity series championship or not. Him and his brother were both really good racers in the Xfinity series. You know, Austin's had some some mixed luck or, or mixed results in, in NASCAR. He's won a couple big Crown Jewel races, but uh, I don't. He, he just hasn't really put together consistent runs, and unfortunately, Ty Dillon just hasn't been in top tier rides to see, you know, how, how he would do with that. So mixed yeah. bag, but he's got a rich grandpa. That helps. He's got, uh, you know, sponsorship from Bass Pros. And, and Johnny Morris, the owner of Bass Pro Shops and Cabela, seems to have just the fattest checkbook you could imagine <laughs> and, and just sponsors guys left and right. I mean, he sponsors Truex. He sponsors Austin Dillon. He sponsors it's kind of his, uh, the, so, the NASCAR viewer is kind of in his wheelhouse. Yeah, so it's the perfect, it makes sense. It's the, it's the perfect customer for for the target market for for his hunter hunter outdoor type uh, sure. stores that he has. So seems like a natural fit there. So we'll see how that all plays out. But that that is my wild card pick. If I had okay. to choose right now, is I think Ty Dillon would eventually race for for his grandpa at RCR. But we'll see how that okay. plays out. The second news of the week: Bubba Wallace has signed a multi-year deal to stay with 2311 Racing. Now, I know you don't think he's a good driver. Uh, I know you're not his biggest fan, but it it seemed like a foregone conclusion that he was going to get an extension at 2311. They've invested a ton, a ton of resources and money into getting Bubba to where he is today. He's got some pretty good sponsorships behind him. He's the only African-American NASCAR race car driver. Michael Jordan is the owner. So it seems like a natural fit from a diversity standpoint. So I'm not surprised by that. He's had some pretty strong runs as of late. With that being said, though, are you surprised that they signed him to a multi-year deal rather than maybe do like a one-year deal to see how good he does next year? I think it's pretty clear that that Hamlin and the way that he's going to run his company that Bubba Wallace fits into that brand. He fits into the the type of driver that he wants to to have on his team. So I I'm not surprised. I I don't think that we're ever going to talk about Bubba Wallace, the the, the Cup Series champion, but that doesn't mean he can't you know win a race here or there, be competitive. But good for him. He's got a, he's got a ride for for next couple years and and on a pretty good team. Now now I do want to point out that he has probably had the worst pit crew. <laughs> that is true. We've all talked about year. that. So I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, benefit of the doubt here. I think he would have had a lot better results to start the year. If that pit crew knew what the heck they were doing on pit road. So with that, and I'm going to counter said, you. I'm going to counter you though, at who his owner is. His owner is Denny Hamlin. And if you know how his pit crew has done this year and him on pit road, I think he's got like 30, 40 penalties this year. It's, it's absurd. So I don't know if, if, if Hamlin's going to be the one to, to break that streak, but um, he has had a lot of bad luck. That is, that is for sure on, on pit road. So since we're talking about this, I, I, I don't know if they've officially come out and said this, but I know that there's rumblings. They get their 2311 sources, their pit crew members from Joe Gibbs Racing. They lease their pit crews from Joe Gibbs Racing. And I think Denny Hamlin, he's either said it on a podcast or or put out an announcement, or again, there's some rumblings. 
I think he's going to bring everything in-house next year in regards to the pit crew, and he's going to hire his own guys so he can get who he wants and hopefully avoid or cut down the number of penalties and mistakes that they've had on pit road to this point. So I think there's they're, they're going to try to make it better next year, so we'll see how better they are and, and if – and if that, you know, yields better results on the track, if they do bring that in, uh, in-house from, from the pit crew standpoint. They got to do something, right? I mean, it, it can't they get can't worse. Keep... <laughs> it's just, they cannot get worse. So anything's better than, than what they're doing. So let's talk about this weekend's race. Richmond, what'd you, uh, what'd you think about this weekend's race? I was really, really looking forward to, to Richmond. Mm-hmm. I had some high hopes. We talked it up. We did. The, the drama was there with, with Blaney and Truex. And, you know, th- those two guys were some of the favorites this past weekend. And, and to be honest with you, to me, it was almost a dud. It, it was just a really, really boring race. I mean, the last 10, 20 laps were exciting to see if Christopher Bell could get, get uh, caught up to Harvick and maybe pass him. I think if he had one or two more laps, I think he gets oh, the job so done close. and Harvick doesn't win. But from an overall standpoint, you know, they had that long green flag run there where there was two or three pit stops without a a caution flag. And there were multiple drivers that got one, two, three laps down in in all the pit stops. And it just turned into a really boring race, in my opinion. I'm kind of a pessimist when it comes to these races. (laughs) You are hard to please. I am a hard, hard to please when it comes to this. So you tell me, am I, am I off my off my rocker or do you agree with my assessment well unfortunately i have to agree uh it was not very exciting um the short track racing that we kind of thought it would be it wasn't there um you mentioned the long green flag runs not a lot of cautions um i think there's only two cautions other than the stage the stage breaks um which is just not normal for for a short track and it just wasn't there wasn't many storylines there wasn't a lot of you know there wasn't any accidents and and or too many accidents and yeah it unfortunately just wasn't kind of what we <laughs> we hyped it up to be and maybe we were over over hyped it a little bit but it uh it did not did not meet my expectations for this week so Okay, well, that makes me feel better than that I'm not too. This week far we out agree. There. Okay, that, <laughs> that's week. good. So, uh, looking at Jeff Cluck's poll, seventy point five percent of voters said yes, it was a good race. Again, our threshold's kind of around the eighty percent mark, so it fell below that. To put that in perspective, it's the number five race out of thirteen Richmond races, so it's up there in regards to Richmond races, but. It is the number 16th ranked race this year out of 24. So it's toward the bottom, bottom two thirds or right at the two third mark in regards to being the worst race this year from a, from a voting standpoint. So that seems pretty high to me. And I wonder if that, if the ending with, with Harvick and Bell chasing him down and kind of led people to be like, Oh yeah, that was a good race and, and forget about the, the previous two and a half hours. Uh, Cause that seems just pretty high to me. Yeah. I, th- I think that definitely played into it. I mean, again, if you think about the race, 
in itself, there really wasn't a lot of drama. I mean, obviously you had a wreck or two uh, that, that caused a caution, but other than that, the drama all came the last 10, 20 laps when Bell had fresher tires and was trying to run Harvick down and, and the announcers were just eating it up. I mean, they were just they going were through every hard. possible situation and they were selling it hard. So I do think that that played a factor in regards to the poll. Uh, it is higher than I probably would have thought. I mean, I thought it would probably be around 60, 65% just based on the spring race poll coming in around 63%. So it is higher than I thought, but again, it's still one of the worst races uh, this year when you look at a percentage standpoint. So I think it it's probably a little bit higher than where it needed to be, but it's still pretty close to, to where it probably should be. So you mentioned it. Kevin Harvick is the winner. So he wins two races back-to-back and is now firmly in the playoffs. So thoughts on, on Harvick? Is this is – this, uh, is he on a run? Did he, did he just kind of get lucky? What What are your thoughts as, as you look at Kevin Harvick going into the playoffs? So we talk about this at work, and we kind of think, you know, Chase, Chase Elliott might have peaked a little too early. Granted, he's he's running consistently, still getting top fives, top tens, but he, he hasn't won in a while. But you look at Kevin Harvick, I mean, this guy was dead to right. And all of a sudden pulled off a miraculous win two weeks ago. And then he goes ahead and wins again at Richmond. And he was on nobody's radar. The experts, the analysts, us, we no one thought Kevin Harvick could win this race. And with his pedigree, with that team, I think he is a man that is going to be reckoned with come championship playoff time. And I would not be surprised if he somehow makes the final four and competes for that championship at the end of the year. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts in regards to Kevin Harvick and the run he's on right now? It's pretty impressive. And I don't know if he has enough to, to make a final four. Um, but I, I do know that I I'm an idiot when it comes to NASCAR. So when I say that Kevin Harvick's done, you shouldn't listen to that, but it wasn't just us. It was, it was the media. It was everybody was doubting Kevin Harvick and saying he's washed up and saying he was done. And there's something appealing to me about a story of a, of a professional athlete or anyone really where everyone doubts them. And all he does is just go to work and you don't hear him in the media. He's not whining and bitching after every race. He's, you know, he had a really rough stretch. You didn't hear anything about it. It's just, you know, we're going to keep doing better. And there's something there's something really cool to see somebody doubted across the board and then perform and not just win. That win was impressive, you know, two weeks ago. But then to come back the next race and back it up again, just I I like it. It's good entertainment. It's it makes me feel good. Um, I don't know if he's got a, a, a team that can win it all, but. He's, he's going to be there. He's going to be in the playoffs, and that's that's really all that matters at this point. Well, and with these two wins, he's he's got some huge, huge playoff points that, huge. again, he, he's going to be started – he's going to start the playoffs between probably five, fifth and eighth place because of those two wins. So even, even if he does have one bad week, he's still got a little bit of a playoff buffer to hopefully get him through at least the first round, if not the second and what makes these wins even even you know more impressive 
is that it came at a speedway at Michigan. It came at a short track at Richmond. So it's not like the tracks are the same where, you know, the setups can kind of carry over and things like that. There's two different tracks. So yes, he, he was on a 65 winless race streak, but he is a champion. He's been in the sport a long time. He has a veteran crew chief. I, I think Kevin Harvick is on fire right now and is the last driver the rest of the field wants to see win races in regards to just getting that momentum going come playoff time because he will be a dangerous driver in the playoffs. And he almost didn't win, though. If that race was one more lap, I think Christopher Bell's got him. Maybe needs two to get past him, but uh, it still doesn't matter. It, it, he still gets the win, no matter how close. And exactly. uh, there's no there's no asterisk saying almost there almost isn't. lost. <laughs> yeah, wins a win. That is true. So, uh, but you got to you got to feel for Bell, who who was really really hunting him down, just yep. and just ran out of time. So talking about playoffs, we previewed it last week when we talked about our picks, actually. And uh, Blaney and Truex, who desperately need a win to get into the playoffs and, and battling for to get in on points. And Truex finishes seventh. Blaney finishes 10th. And it really wasn't – they weren't really factors. I don't think any of them led a lap. And they really just kind of were in the top 10 for most of the day but never really made a push. So kind of disappointing from those two teams when they had an opportunity to kind of go out and do what Harvick's doing and and win races. Um, so just kind of disappointing day for for those two teams. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think Truex is the bigger letdown because of how dominant he has been at Richmond in the last couple of years. Yeah, you broke the stats down last time. It was dominant. He's had he's had some really really strong uh, runs, and I think he's won three of the last six, if my memory serves me right. So. I was really, really surprised to see him fade as fast as he did in that first first stretch. And then they could never get the car where he toward the end of the race. And granted, like you say, he still stayed in the top 10. But when, when you're outside looking in on the playoffs, you need a win. You go to a track that you're the favorite. You've had really strong results. And you don't even sniff the lead. You don't even <laughs> sniff the you know second or third place. That's a really, really big letdown, in my opinion. And Again, being a Truex fan, that was such a bummer race. I was really disappointed to see see the results that he had there. So, um, yeah, just a disappointing day for those two. Blaney did stretch the lead in the points. I think he uh, yeah he might have stretched it by five, six, seven, eight points somewhere around there. So he's got he's a little up 26 bit twenty six now over Truex. Okay. So I think it was nineteen to start the day. So he he stretched it seven points. Uh, but again, you got a road course. You got Daytona. <laughs> it, it's 19 points. I would not feel comfortable having a 19 point lead with two races to go. So we'll see how this weekend goes. Blaney, he's had some mixed results at a road course. Truex has been pretty good, but it just seems like Toyota this year at road courses have just been terrible. So unless they figured something out pretty fast, I just don't know if they're going to have any anything to compete for a win there. So we'll see how it all plays out. Another uh, driver that had a disappointing day, that would be your boy, Rowdy Kyle Busch, who was involved in a an accident with uh, another one of our favorite drivers, and that's Ross Chastain. So tough break for, for Kyle Busch. 
and basically at the end of the race, he said, we got chastained. And that is the <laughs> that is a guy. great way to put it. And, and we talk about this at work. I I, fe- I I truly do feel bad for Chastain in, in that situation. And I know it sounds crazy, but he was in the middle going into turn one or turn three, whatever turn the heck, you know, whatever it was. But he was in the middle. Ty Dillon, who, in my opinion, is not a great race car driver, was to his bottom. And Chastain tried to give Ty Dillon room on the bottom side. And what happened is he pushed up the track, got into Kyle Busch, caused the wreck, led to Eric Jones, you know, getting a DNF because he had some suspension issues afterwards. So here, here you got Ross Chastain trying to do the right thing. I mean, you kind of give, trying to give he, drivers some space, and it comes back to bite him. Like he, the guy he can't lost catch control a break. of the car. He lost control of the car. So, I mean, he got in dirty air. He's three wide again. Any other driver? Who are you going to give more room for, Kyle Busch or Ty Dillon? If you wreck Ty Dillon, you bump Ty Dillon. Is are you worried about Ty Dillon in the garage? I'm not. I wouldn't. I I wouldn't be. But based on where Chastain was in the sandwich, the ninety nine percent of the time you're going to try to go a little bit higher because it's easier to go higher than it is to go lower with that guy below you, especially with how aerosensitive these cars are and how bad they push in the corner with dirty air. So again, just Kyle another Bush, clown move from a clown driver. See, I wouldn't go that far, but unfortunately Chastain involved again, seems like that's an, a, a good storyline all year. Chastain's always been in the mix or, or cause He's given us these, good stuff to talk about. That's wrecks. for sure. So, uh, <laughs> it's entertaining, but again, Eric, the worst end of that wreck got a DNF. Kyle Busch did come back and have a pretty solid day after that. So uh, not all was lost with that. Uh, Ty Gibbs. Let's talk about Ty Gibbs here. I mean, he he looked pretty good there. <laughs> you know, when his car was on the track, he raced Kyle Busch really, really hard. That was fun. And aggressive and actually looked like the better car between him and Kyle Busch. And ultimately, he had some some engine engine trouble or an oil leak that they couldn't figure out where it was coming from. So he had to pull behind the behind the wall and, and ended up having a DNF from that. But I will say out of out of the last couple of races, Ty Gibbs has performed much better than I anticipated with him being a rookie and, and no no experience at all in this next gen car. Did did Joe Gibbs get kind of a gift with this Kurt Busch situation. He got a chance to run Gibbs without really any consequence because he has to be. And now you know, I mean, is there this seals Kyle Busch. He's not coming back, right? Like this is this so is a lot. Where, where I was going to go with this is this is the last thing Kyle Busch wanted to see. <laughs> yeah, okay, it, sorry. You know, if uh Ty Gibbs comes up, struggles mightily, has a couple wrecks, a couple DNFs. I think Kyle Busch gained some leverage in that situation. <laughs> but with how, you know, and he's finished 15, you know, I mean, I'm not talking he's, he's racing the top 10, but for a rookie with three, four starts under his belt to be racing competitively against Kyle Busch in 15, 20th place, I think – 
Kyle Busch is losing more and more leverage as the weeks go by. And again, I won't be surprised if, if Ty Gibbs is in that number 18 car come next year, if Kyle Busch is not the driver in that seat. Well, and I, I know they've kind of alluded to it, if not come out and said it, but they almost are telling him not to, to really push the car. So it's, I don't think it's really indicative of his ability. I think they just don't want him to, to get into the, you know, the front where he might get, you know, get wrecked or, you know, it's just a lot different when you're towards the front of that pack versus, you know, riding around in the back. So the experience he's gaining is completely valuable and will I'm sure pay off for him in the, in the near future. Uh, and this is like free this is a free gift for, for Gibbs racing to, to kind of see what they got in him. So, um, yep, I agree hundred percent. This is a, this is a free, free exhibition, free tryout. And, and there's really nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. He's passing, he's passing the like, test. There, there's really no way for him to fail at this point, to be honest with how good he's ran uh, in the last few weeks. So again, pretty impressive. 19 be, years old, 19. Yeah. And he's like five foot three. Like he is five Dude, he's foot a three. Child. He's like 120 pounds. It's so funny how small he is, but he's doing a really it's good job. Crazy. Yeah. He it's very impressive. I can't imagine being in the NASC, uh, in the cup series as a 19 year old. That's completely wild. So, uh, Chastain is your stage one winner. Logano stage two winner and, and Harvick is your, your race winner. We didn't really talk about Logano, but he led 222 laps. So he gets your most laps led bonus and, you know, just had a really good car in the beginning, but kind of fell off towards, towards the end. Um, so, uh, but Logano does get the uh, the bonus points there for laps led. So we turn to the fantasy discussion. So last week we mentioned there wasn't a lot of cautions, not a lot of wrecks. So most of the the drivers finished. Team average was 56, which is pretty lo- pretty uh, pretty low compared to previous weeks. Our high was Eddie Bajer. So shout out to Eddie Bajer from uh, Connecticut. Uh, my boy from from back east, 108 points. Not a good week for Eddie Bajer. Uh, the low, Pat Beeson with 13. Norton had tweeted out, we had the previous low was 16 with Taylor and myself, and we had that for a very long time. And then last week we had uh, 10 was the low, and then this week 13. So low scores are starting to, to, to pile in here. And we take a look at the top 10. Not a lot of changes. So we look at the top two stays, Amy Weiss and Taylor Schleiss. Um, they are one and two, 49 points for Amy, 53 points for Taylor. Ryan Brash, number two, moves up one spot to number three with 34 points. He flip-flops with Crazy Dale, who falls to number four uh, with 44 points. Adam Duder is at five and up one spot with 24 points. So really good week for Adam Studer. Reagan Rolfus is at sixth spot. She's up two uh, with 44 points. Adam Holtz, uh is at number seven, up five spots with 38 points. And Adam Holtz has kind of been, he was in the top 10 in the beginning and, and kind of fluctuated there in and out of the top 10 for a while and then kind of disappeared. And now with the reemergence of Kevin Harvick, he has made it back into the top 10 at number seven. Steve Rolfus number four 
falls three spots with 74 points, which was uh, one of two teams with points higher than the average in the top 10. And he, so he's at number eight. Bigger Sandwich moves up one spot with 48 points to number nine. And then even Bigger Sandwich, down three, was the other team that had points higher than the average at 69 points. We had Adam join the top 10, which means Jasmine Rolfus fell out of the top 10. She had 78 points and is sitting in P14. So there's our top 10. Um, I want to get your thoughts, Zach, on this. And, and I also want to point out that Dan Grable, who has legendary finished one and three, I think two couple years ago, we haven't talked about him all year. He is now both of he's got two teams and they are both close to making the playoffs. They're only nine and 18 points out of the playoffs. So uh, what are your thoughts on the top 10 and, and Dan Grable as he starts to make his playoff push? Yeah. So with the average being 56, again, there, there weren't a lot of, weren't a lot of cautions. So not surprised with the, with the lack thereof of some crazy movements in the standing. So, Nothing surprising there. Dan Grable, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> he is knocking on the door, making the playoffs. He, he's a dangerous guy. He seems to always be, you know, in the right spot at the right time with these teams. Again, finished one in thir- uh, three a couple years ago, which is a, is a feat that has not been, you know, touched yet. So, with him being just out of the playoffs now, you could almost consider him maybe the Kevin Harvick of the fantasy league. You know, he's, he's woken from the dead and he, and he's making a run and making a push here. So we'll see if he can get one or, or both teams into the playoffs in the next two races, but good, uh, good movement by him and his teams are, you know, performing pretty well here down the stretch. With that being said, we're going to talk about the risers of the week. So the biggest risers of the week at Hainer 411 went from P58 to P443. Uh, Gail Anderson went from P63 to P48. Pat Beeson went from P29 to P16. So out of the playoffs and now in at this moment. And the Zacks went from P90 to P77. And you look at those teams... Logano, Truex, Harvick, Bell, Hamlin, Elliott, Kyle Busch. All of, the, all of those guys had some pretty good weeks. Throw Chris Buescher in there as well. So uh, good weeks for those teams. In regards to the fallers of the week, at Eddie B. Metz went from P67 to P80. Our boy, Justin Norton, number three, went from P28 to P39. So a rough week for the commish and his uh, number three team there. And then at Austin Colby went from P55 to P66. If you look at those teams, Reddick, man, what a rough stretch Tyler Reddick has been on. I got him on, you know, my fantasy team that's trying to make a playoff push. He's had a couple really rough weeks, so unfortunate for them. Uh, Kurt Busch, who Ty Gibbs with the DNF, and then uh, you've got Byron, who just had an okay day, and then Austin Dillon struggled and got caught laps down. So those are your biggest this week. When we look at the rookies, so we've got five 
We got four rookies that are in the playoffs currently. So Taylor Slice in P2, in P2 Patrick McMeekin back in the playoffs at P19, Keely Park, P21, and David Bangert, P23. We shouted out Robert Schaefer last week on the podcast, and his team is up to P25, knocking on the door of the playoffs. So uh, really nice to see that many rookies in or around the playoffs. Looking at the playoffs, the difference between 1st and 24th continues to grow. It is now up to 141 points, which is uh, up 9 from last week. But the the difference between 24th and 50th is is shrinking. It's down 10 points, down to 69, and there's only two races left. So 69 points can be a lot for those two races, but it uh, is going to be interesting to see as this these get tighter. We talked about Daytona at the last race. A lot of big scores in those in those races. So uh, a lot of teams still in it as we look towards the final. But Amy Weiss has a 20-point lead over Taylor, and she is in firm control of the regular season championship. And we got two weeks left, Zach. I think I think we know who our guest needs to be on the podcast next week. Yeah, shout out to to get you on the podcast. See if we can uh, make it happen here the next couple of weeks. See if the podcast jinx is, is real, right? Exactly, no, it's not real. Exactly. It's not real. <laughs> no. Don't no, worry. Don't worry up, about man. it, Amy. It's fine. It's it's good. Don't, it's we'll, <laughs> uh, looking at the last four in, if it were to end today, Keeley Park, Don Brockman, David Bangert, and Dave Bramman, number three. And then the la- or the first four out would be Robert Schaefer, number one, Ron Boyson, Matt Powers, and Brad Larson. So we get ready for the playoffs. Two races left. Any thoughts, Zach, as we look towards uh, – Towards the playoffs, I think there's big scores this week. Some big scores next week at Daytona. Buckle up, get ready for some action. Big shakeups here in the next two weeks. Something better happen if Daytona is a dud. People are gonna stop listening to us. We've been hyping up these races. We have, but I think with a road course, you're gonna have some wrecks. Whether it be one guy, you know, wreck. Or, or multiple turn one at Watkins Glen is a sharp 90 degree turn where there is wrecks all the time. And if you look back at the Indy road course race where guys were just plowing mm. in there three, four, five wide, don't care if they're wrecking anybody, just basically playing pinball off each other. I think you're going to see that again at Watkins Glen in turn one, and we'll see who comes out on the right side of that. So I do think there's going to be some high scores this week. Daytona, there's always high scores at Daytona. <laughs> and, you know, think about Truex, you think about Blaney. I think they're going to race pretty cautiously to start that race and just try to stay out of trouble, whatever trouble happens. But that last final stage, it is going to be complete chaos. <laughs> and there's going to be drivers going for broke. And that's when I think you're going to have some pretty big wrecks. So we'll see. We're going to see. We'll see. Sorry, are we going to see a Logano type situation where, you know, Truex maybe jumps four cars deep and and cuts into turn one? Are we talking that crazy? I think there's there's a strong chance of that happening, especially if it, if there's a late restart with one, two, three laps to go. Uh, 
I can definitely see a driver, depending on their desperation level, do that and, and basically say, you know, every driver's been doing that all year. So, you know, I had to make a move. I had to do it. I hate racing that way, but that's just what we have to do these days. So I won't be shocked if there's a, a, a last, you know, lap wreck slash pass for the, for the win, especially Blaney, who is in that position. Time will tell, but I'm really looking forward to this week excited about daytona it's it's usually had a crazy race to start and now that it's the last race before the playoffs it's just going to up up the uh entertainment level the drama and the excitement that much further so let's talk about this weekend's race going to watkins Glen. this is this is kind of home turf for you and and uh it is i never made it there but yeah, you're, it sounds like you're missing out, man. It uh, it's a couple. What do we what do we figure on the map? It's a couple hours south of Buffalo. Yeah. And kind of in the basically the western part of, of of New York. Yeah. Yeah, northwest of of the Big Apple. So, uh, it's up there. It's called the Glen. So that's that's what everyone knows the track as is. It's the Glen, and NASCAR hasn't raced here since since uh, 2019. So. It, it kind of got to shorten the stick when, when COVID hit and they haven't been back since. So this is the first time back and going on three years. So we'll see how this next gen car fares at uh, Watkins Glen. With that being said, we are going to look at Zach's track facts of the evening. Track facts. Number one, the initial track was built in 1948 using public roads in the village but was closed down when a car plowed into spectators watching the race, <laughs> causing multiple injuries and even death. You Crazy. love, your, you love your, your facts with death. I'm beginning to worry about you. So you have to put that in as a fact because uh, you do. These, peop- these people didn't think, you know, they weren't smart enough back then <laughs> to think, let's just drive through the normal streets <laughs> and, and hope no bad, you know, accidents happen and, and people standing on the street don't get hit by a race car going hundred miles an hour. It just seems crazy to me that they, <laughs> they didn't think that through. So that that's fact number one tonight track fact. Number two, Watkins Glen, as we know it today was built in 1955. So after, you know, the fatalities and the injuries, uh, they decided let's let's build a new racetrack. They so learned they their lesson. 19... You're saying exactly <laughs> <They> learned... <laughs> 1955, and they and they got help from professors from Cornell University. I thought that was interesting. They brought in some some brainiacs to uh, design the track and and make it happen. Since the track was built in 1955, NASCAR started racing at the Glen in 1986. So it took them about. Uh, 31 years before they decided to go to Watkins Glen and they've been there ever since minus the COVID stretch where they, where they didn't go. Going to talk about death again here in, in the third <laughs> fact. Another one? In 1991, there were two major wrecks, one fatal caught <laughs> because of that, it caused the track to overhaul their safety standards and features, which it probably saved numerous lives since uh unfortunately the the driver that passed away was jd mcduffie and he he uh, passed away in turn five from an accident so 
again, this this was a dangerous track, and it is a dangerous track. There's a couple stretches here at Watkins Glen that it's tight, and with how fast these cars are going before the safety features that were in the cars as well as at the track, it was a really, really dangerous track to race at. So that is your, your track fact number three. And your last track fact of the night, Watkins Glen International Road Course has their popularity popularity has soared in past in, in recent years as evidenced by the facility being named America's best NASCAR track on four different occasions by USA Today. If you look or you watch the race this weekend, there are people throughout the entire racetrack, campers, tents, just going nuts. It is a very, very popular race in the upstate New York, and the, and the fans love it there. So I'm excited to see the turnout this weekend and, and crazy fans and cheering on their favorite drivers. Yeah, my brother, when we lived in New York, my brother went. He's not a NASCAR fan, but he went to, to the Glen, and he said he's never been drunker and never had as much fun as he had at that race. So it, it, it doesn't surprise me that it's got to be so popular. Uh, it seems to be got a lot of stuff going for it. So I'm, I'm excited to see, see the crowds there this weekend. You almost wonder if, if this is now like the Woodstock <laughs> of, of that area. You know what I mean? Like Woodstock yeah. was so big, so crazy, turned into giant parties. That's kind of, you know, changed or, or stopped. Uh, and, and now you have Watkins Glen, who's kind of taken its place. So uh, I'm not sure if that's a good comparison or not, but uh, it's <laughs> we'll in the same area. Of, exactly. It's in the same area of New York. So uh, good turnout. A lot of fans that love the track. So we'll see uh, how many fans are there this weekend. This weekend, Trackhouse Racing is fielding a third car. And, and it's very it's interesting. This, yeah, is, this is this is interesting, and we'll see how it works out for him. But it's it's called Project Ninety One. So the car car number is ninety one, and the goal, or, or you know, throughout this process, is they want to bring in foreign drivers, whether that be F one, IndyCar, uh, different drivers than stock car racers themselves. Throw them in a stock car and see what they can do in NASCAR. It's a great concept. It's a great idea. We'll see how it works out for him. But this weekend in the number 91 is going to be Kimi Raikkonen, who is a former F1 champ, has won 20-plus F1 races under his belt, and, and the guy is just a stud. He he is world He is driving this weekend at Watkins Glen. So we will see how good he does in a stock car for his first time on a road course. I've got to think it's not going to go well, but you just <laughs> you just never know uh, with with these cars these days. But uh, you brought up a good a good question at work in regards to the charter system and, and if they don't have a third charter, how does this work? So basically, there's so there's 39 entries this weekend at Watkins Glen. NASCAR caps the field at 40. So because there's only 39 cars that are going to show up at the track all 39 are going to be able to race. So you don't have to have a charter in this situation because there's not more than 40 cars showing up. If there were more than 40 cars that showed up, they 
fastest qualified top 40 to get in. If you're the odd man out, you have to pack up and go home. So that's kind of how it works in today's charter system. Um, with, with that being said, Josh, what do you think of the concept? And, and do you know anything or have you ever heard of Kimi Raikkonen before? No, I thought Kimi Raikkonen, I don't even know how to say the last name, but I thought it was a girl at first. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know anything about this, but I will say, I'm a big fan of this this concept of getting other drivers from other sports to come in and, and race NASCAR. It brings eyeballs that people that know this driver are going to, you know, that follow, uh, where is it? Was it F1? This were from F1, yep. right? So, yep, you know, F1, F1 eyeballs are going to be on the NASCAR race. You get some Indy cars, you get those guys. So I, I think it helps to grow the sport. I think racers are racers and and they may drive an f1 car but they they do like to drive and and they like a challenge and i'm all about giving the the cream of the crop of the other other motorsports an opportunity to drive i just as long as it doesn't really impact the race um you know you got to kind of hope that they don't go out there and, and make a fool of themselves but based on the credentials i don't think that's probably going to happen um so I'm I'm all for it. I, it is a little. It, it, I, I had a lot of questions around the charters because it. I just don't know why if there's not 40 cars, why other teams don't just get another car in there. Um, so the charter system still is kind of uh, weird to me. But um, obviously it's a it's an initiative Trackhouse is doing, and they're going to have the car in, in the field, and it's exciting. So I'm I'm excited to see what what he does. Yeah, like you pointed out, I, I just hope this doesn't backfire. And for some reason, like he's getting and he makes <laughs> a mistake and takes the leader out or something crazy like that that has some playoff implications. So I hope, I hope that doesn't happen because that would really ruin this cool concept. Or it is that would be a, a very racing. typical NAS, uh, NASCAR thing where they try to do the right thing. They're kind of like Ross Chastain trying to do the right thing, but then it turns yep. into a disaster. So, um, it will be, I hope that doesn't happen, but it would be, it'd be pretty funny, but, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's Chase, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, Joe Logano, Denny Hamlin, even better. But, uh, with that being said, yeah, let's, uh, let's, d uh, dive deep into the stats here real yeah. quick. Let's so, do it. The best drivers are the active active drivers with the best stats in the last uh, so i did a minimum of five races because some drivers have only been at this track one time so their stat or their finish kind of skews the results so minimum of five races best active drivers your boy chase elliott is first it's with an average finish of six kyle bush is second with 9.1 aj allmendinger is third at 9.9 .9. my boy truex 10.1 and, and ryan blaney Rounds out the top five at 11.6. If you look at the most recent two races at the Glen, it's been the Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. show. Elliott has a finish of 1.5, Truex 2.5. And then you have Denny Hamlin third at 4.0, Larson fourth at 4.5. And then Christopher Bell in his one race at the Glen finished seventh. So... Again, you've got your normal road course ringers up there. A couple surprises uh, with with Blaney as well as uh, Kyle Larson. With all of that being said, Josh, you get a lead off the night here. 
who is your pick of the race? And and I I put down who I think you're picking. I, I hope know. I hope I'm wrong, but go ahead, tell me who you got. So I kind of am torn because I, I I want I want to, to to you to get the pie in the face. So I, I obviously want to pick the right winner, and I'm also kind of like okay, maybe I want to try to be prove how smart I am and pick pick somebody that you know maybe you wouldn't think of. Um, but I got to go with the driver who is going to be at the top. He's been driving up there all year. He's really good at road courses. Unfortunately, you're right. My pick is going to be my man, Chase Elliott. I'm excited to see who you are going to take. And then I want to, I want to throw out a second pick and, and, and like a pick B for me. If you don't take, take the guy I'm going to, I'm thinking of. Okay, so you, you chose the guy I thought the Chase Sandwich family Elliot. Uh, <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Had to do um, it. Ah man, this is this has probably been the toughest pick for me to this point. I'm really torn here. I, I to be honest, picking at this moment, but <laughs> because because I am on the spot here. I am going to hope and I'm going to pray and I am just going to uh, go against my head, go with my heart. I'm going to pick Martin Truex Jr. The pressure is on. He's been, he's been dominant at this track, but again, the Toyotas just don't seem to have the speed at these road courses race at these at the road course races this year but i do think pick strategy is going to come into play and hopefully they can come out on the right side and, and get lucky in regards to their pit strategy calls and, and he can sneak out a win here so i'm going to go with truex i'm not feeling very confident about it at all <laughs> i can tell <laughs> but that's my pick who who is your pick b so so I was going to my other pick. If 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 you had picked Chase Elliott or I decided to go different, my other pick was going to be Tyler Reddick. So I think he has obviously done well this year on road courses. And if I if I had to pick somebody else other than Chase Elliott, I think Tyler Reddick is is that driver. He's just you never know what you're going to get with him. It could be a top five. It could be a DNF. And at least with Chase Elliott, you know he's going to be at the top. And so ultimately, I kind of had to, to lean into that. But uh, yeah. if Tyler Reddick's at the end, he's going to be he's going to be a tough car to to take out. I think I think he'll be up there. You know, the last couple of weeks has been tough for my fantasy team. I hope he's up there because he <laughs> needs to start cranking out some good results here in the next two weeks to give my team a chance to sneak into the playoffs. You know, you chose a plan B or a pick B. I'm going to do the same thing. What are your thoughts about Chris Busher? I mean, Chris he's Busher. had some real, yeah, this is, this is way out of left field, but you look at the stats. Yes, it is. He's had some pretty good runs here this year, specifically at road course races to the point that he, he was mentioned last weekend after the race as being kind of a wild card pick this weekend at Watkins Glen. Now, can you like imagine it. if Chris Busher <laughs> goes it. to Watkins Glen and wins and just so flips the fantasy, you know, flips the playoff <laughs> standings upside down? So he was he was battling uh, for the lead la- this last week, 
um, and just kind of lost his tires and and wasn't able to to hold off Harvick um, or Bell. But so he's obviously got a fast car, and I I kind of like that pick. I think it it goes back to our chaos, goes back to our you know uh, getting sixteen winners with then Daytona at the end, which would just be completely bonkers. So I am I'm all for it. If it's not Chase Elliott, I'm root. I, I like it. Chris Buescher. Again, it, that would be considered a wild card pick, but I think he he has a really good shot of being in the mix at Watchmen's Glen, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he if he in fact does win win uh, this weekend at Watchmen's Glen. With with that being said, Josh, it's been another good podcast, another good episode, another good. You know, we want to shout out ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. We just want to thank him for being our title sponsor here at the Atop the Pit Box podcast. For all your Lake of the Ozark vacation and booking needs, go to the website, scroll through the houses. They've got everything uh, that you need or could want. So go ahead and go to that website. They'll get you taken care of. All right, Zach. Good luck with your picks, and we'll talk to you next week. Go Truex, baby. Your day. I lost my mind. I need my spot on my way.